Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Some exchange betting companies run short-lived promotions, like months-long offers of low commission. At BetDAC, we wanted to change the way we did things, so we set our commission at 2% permanently. That's 2% on football, horse racing, golf, almost any sport. 2%. That's just one way that BetDAC is changing for the better. For the better. Like you. BetDAC, the 2% commission exchange. Over 18s only, please gamble responsibly. Hello and welcome back to the Roka Report Extra Podcast. Last time you joined us, Sunderland were level on points with second place Barnsley, but had two games in hand. A week later, we're two points behind them with one game in hand after two pretty concerning performances at home. Firstly, towards Burton, which wasn't as bad as what was to come, which was probably that Coventry game, which was... Let's not get started on that, if we're honest with each other. Darkness feels like it's descended on Wayside a little bit. I don't know why. Um, everyone's feeling a little bit negative. But essentially, it's leading up to a massive game against Doncaster Rovers in front of the Sky TV cameras this Friday. To discuss all things Donny, we've got Paul Goodwin of the Donny Free Press, or the Doncaster Free Press, if you prefer, who's covered Doncaster Rovers' progress this season. However, he's already my favourite extra guest because... Despite his knowledge on Doncaster, he's only gone and been a bloody Sunderland fan. How are you doing? <laughs> yeah, thanks. Thanks for the invite, Graham. Uh, lovely intro, um, and pleasure to pleasure to be with you. Yeah. And the, the best part about it was, I literally just messaged you because I was like, "Oh, he covers Doncaster," and then he went, "Well, I support Sunderland," and I thought, "Well, we've got to get you on." Um, <laughs> I think so. The big question to get out of the way first: you cover Doncaster Rovers, but you're a massive lads fan. What's your story on that one? Yeah, um, big, big lads fan. Sunderland, Sunderland born and bred. Um, as we've just talked off air, grew up in Fulwell, um, taken to Volga Park as a young lad, obviously. Uh, then the stadium were light, so probably had a season ticket watching Sunderland for about 20 years. Um, but at the same time, developed a, a, a love of, of writing, of sport. Um, I'm a bit of a failed sportsman myself. I used to play cricket, but wasn't quite good enough to, to play at the top level. So I went down the sports journalism route. And got a foot in the door at Donny, 2006, that the rest is history. It's, it's obviously been an eventful time in, in Doncaster's history, as, 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 as with Sunderland. And I never, never really expected this game to, to happen, certainly not in League One anyway. It's, uh, it's crazy. It'll be a very strange feeling 
um, on Friday. Can't wait for it, but it'll be it'll be really weird too. Yeah, I can imagine that being a bit odd. If I'm honest with you, it was <laughs> odd just knowing you were a Sunderland fan at first, but yeah, like I say, played yeah. perfectly into my hands. The one thing is doing this this job, you become you learn to become sort of objective as well, and your views on the game change a little bit. So it's it's not like I'll be turning up to the stadium like with my Sunderland scarf or anything like that. But uh, looking forward to it all the time. That's where I would struggle, you see. That's where I would struggle. So I better keep away from the sports journalism. On to Doncaster. I could be wrong here, but I'm pretty certain they're five points clear of seventh place Peterborough, 10 points behind fifth place Charlton. Um, yeah. So I think realistically, it's looking like guaranteed playoffs. What's the feeling around the place at the moment? Incredibly positive. Incredibly positive. I wouldn't quite go as far as to say... The guaranteed six. You're the second person actually associated with Sunderland that said that. Um, but I still mm-hmm. think they're in a real battle with Peterborough. And and the irony there is, of course, their manager is a certain Darren Ferguson who left Doncaster under a bit of a cloud last summer. Um, so I think there's still plenty to play for. There could be plenty more twists and turns in the race for the playoffs, as there will be in the race for that second spot. But the, the mood around the club is is really positive. Grant McCann is a, a very positive guy. Uh, he sets his team up in a very positive way. And um, a lot of people might say they've overachieved this season, but inside, inside the Doncaster camp, I think they think they've got the quality of player to compete at the top end of the table. And, and they've done really well. They've had a fantastic season. However it pans out now, whatever happens from here on in, They've had a fantastic season. There's obviously not the same pressure at a club like Doncaster that there is at Sunderland. When you're looking at Doncaster as well, though, I mean, I said guaranteed playoffs. I mean, in further inspection, I said you're five points ahead of Peterborough, but Peterborough yeah, do have no. a game in hand. Yeah. And of course, you pick, play Sunderland on Monday as well. It's uh, it's incredible the way it's worked out. Yeah. Oh, it's it's typical Sunderland the way it's worked out realistically. But um, one thing with Doncaster, you, finish, you, you know, you a lot of teams that finish sixth in the league, in the in the, the championship, League One, League Two, are kind of those teams that have had that really good run towards the end of the season and just sneaked in. Doncaster yeah. hasn't really done yeah. that. I think all season has been a top six that's been there with Peterborough at the start, being a little bit yeah. further up. So is there a, I mean, you've got to get there first, but is there a hope yeah. that you think you could win, the like Doncaster could win the playoffs? Uh, there definitely is. Yeah, if they get in there, they'll, they'll really fancy the chances. Like I say, I, um, they were very a very positive young young team. They've got uh, no fear really. One of my thoughts on the whole Ferguson era, um, Darren, maybe a bit like his dad. Maybe there was a little bit of a fear factor there in t- in terms of the way he managed the team. It's quite an old school manager. He had that sort of persona around him. Grant McCann, not like that one bit. He's a very laid back guy. I think. He, well, he's obviously a lot younger. He's only just finished playing himself, and he's kind of sort of released the shackles, if you like, around this team. And 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 that's been a big thing in the way they've kicked on this season. There's no fear at all, um, and they've they've given a decent account of themselves when they've come up against the bigger teams this season. As as Sunderland can testify, when they played at the Keymore in October, it was a cracking game. And if it wasn't for a couple of saves from John McLaughlin before half time, Donnie uh, Donny might have turned them over. So no, if Donny get in the in the top six, got every chance. And the big person you would look at from, I mean, any fan in League One looking at Doncaster Rovers would straight away look at John Marquis as the danger yeah. man. But when you look at his form, he's actually been going through a pretty bad dry spell. We were linked with him heavily 
in January. And, and I don't know, I genuinely don't know if he's the player that thought he could double his wages and that's what put us off him. I've got a feeling it might have been Tommy's, but I genuinely don't know. However, it wasn't just Sunderland that were after him. Has the January transfer window affected John Marquis? Then, do you think? Um, a few fans have, have mentioned that, but I th- I th- that's probably quite an, an easy accusation to label at him because I don't think mm-hmm. his form has dipped at all, really. What he does for this team is is just he goes out there every single game, he puts his body on the line, he works his absolute you know proverbials off for the team. He leads the line, um, he gives them something to play off. Uh, he sets the tone for the team as well with his work ethic. He's that sort of player. He's, he's a grafter. He really is a grafter. He sets the tone. And you can never accuse John Marcus of, of not doing that. My only, my only doubt about him, from looking from a Sunderland perspective, when I saw that in, in January, for me, he's not a natural, it might sound silly, but he's not a natural finisher. He's got 23 goals this season, but for me, he's not really a natural-born finisher, you know, like a, a Kevin Phillips, if you like. Um, he, he's, he's missed a lot of chances as well this season. He, he, he would probably say himself he could have had 30 goals. Um, that's credit to the, the number of chances that this Don, Doncaster team are creating game in, game out. But one thing about Marquis, he'll, he'll work for the team. And, and obviously, I know how much that's appreciated up at Sunderland. That the, the fans would love that. With with Marquis as well, he's massive, isn't he? I mean, you mentioned about him not being a, an out-and-out striker. Who would you... If, from a Sunderland perspective, you're a Sunderland fan. Who do you compare him to? Because I'll be honest, I haven't seen as much as I would like to of him. Good question. Good question. He's kind of in between, isn't he? He's not. I wouldn't say he's an out-and-out target man, target man. But I wouldn't say he's a natural-born finisher either. He's, he's kind of he's kind of in between. Why am I thinking about Danny Ditchio? I, I don't know. I don't know why that one's sprung <laughs> into my head. Because you don't want to say Niall Quinn, because it's just too too high uh, praise for anyone. Be <laughs> a ridiculous comparison, to be honest. But the, the one the one thing I would stress about Mark Marcus, I keep going back, his work ethic is is really second to none, um, and and his teammates really appreciate that. You know, every game he comes off having given one hundred and twenty percent for his team, and the way Doncaster set up, they set up slightly differently to Sunderland. They play four three three. So you've got Marcus playing as a central striker and two white men either side. And, and it, it's just worked. It's, it's worked for him. He leads the line. He gets on the end of a number of chances. Like I say, he does miss a few chances as well. But 23 goals um, this season, you can't really complain too much. And I think his overall record since he came to Donny is something like 60 goals in 130. Something, something like around that, which is not far away from a goal every two games is it which is which is where you want to be as a striker um, so I want to retract that Danny Ditchio comment <laughs> I get what you mean though you know what I mean it's like Ditchio was he, he had a style of play about him but he also played in a, a team that had Quinn and Phillips and Bridges as yeah. well he had three yeah. strikers yeah. and probably our living memory all at the same time so he, you know I, I like we Danny Ditchio for those who can remember <laughs> I'm glad you've gone with me with, with that oh, one. I'm, 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 I always felt he was harshly done by Big Danny Dicho. <laughs> he, he was a good DJ by all accounts as well. I liked it. Um, really delving back into the archives now. But, but he was injured on. Was he injured on Saturday? Am I making that up? He got a concussion in the win at Bradford, so it was the protocol where he had to had to sit that one out. But he will be back. He will be back on Friday, and I'm sure he'll be he'll be pumped up for it as well, given 
You know, he might downplay everything that's gone off in January, but I'm sure he'll be he'll be determined to go out there and, and show people what he can do. And I don't know if you know anything more than what, what I would know, and I, I don't know anything really about it, but how close was that John Marquis to Sunderland thing happening? Was it all just pie in the sky or was there genuine interest there? Uh, as far as yeah, as far as I know, two bids did go in. Doncaster came out afterwards and said we we rejected a significant amount of money for John Marquis. And I think the feeling was that you know, if it had happened earlier in the window, maybe they might have taken the club might have taken a different view on it. But because it was so late, if Doncaster had sold John Marquis, there was no chance of getting a replacement in. So you, you were basically saying that almost that the season's over from that from that point because he is such a pivotal player in the way this this team set up he is such a key man and it was like a last minute last day bid I mean I, I was covering yeah. sort yeah. of the transfer deadline day as best as I could and when I remember the the players that we were getting linked to you had like the likes of Sam Winall Marquis uh, yeah scarily Chet Evans at one point I was um, almost, with my Sunderland fan hat on I was, I was cringing at what was going on to be honest it was yeah. desperation wasn't it but we got there in the end. We did. And the big question I wanted to ask, as a Sunderland fan who watches Doncaster, given the choice, if you had Will Grigg or John Marquis, who would you take? I'll tell you what, that is another very, very good question. And I would have to stick with, with Marquis from what from what I've seen. Do you mean to go into this into the Sunderland side or just in, in general? To go into the Sunderland side, I think the style yeah, of play yeah. and things like that, yeah. The Could only you, thing is, uh, John Marcus and Charlie White. I'm not sure that would work. I'm no, not sure that would work. God, no, yeah, no. Yeah. So if you're looking at a potential partnership, you'd stick with Grig and White, wouldn't you? Little man, big man. Sorting the defence out first. Yeah. You? <laughs> <laughs> well, you said it. But I tuned into the Burton game last Tuesday, and you could see the signs, couldn't you? You could see the signs yeah. that things were going slightly wrong. And I actually said before the game on Saturday, I was chatting to Gary McSheffrey, an ex-Coventry City legend, of course. Oh, God, I remember Gary McSheffrey. Yeah, Opening day of the season, uh, Rico Arena. Yes, I remember uh, him well. I said to him, <laughs> I'm a little bit nervous today. Your boys could, could get a result at the stage of my life. Well, I, I never expected a scoreline like that. I wasn't, in, in all honesty, I wasn't totally surprised that Coventry got a result. But the, the scoreline... And the way that it's happened is is just ridiculous. It was just bizarre. And I think you, you mentioned as well. And I mean, I I, I like I'll put my my hat in the ring. I, I like I like Jack Ross. I I, I don't yeah. think I think calls from to be sacked is completely wrong. But um, I, I definitely am frustrated that he played that formation against Burton. The warning signs were all there. We conceded three goals by half time, and he proceeded to continue with it. If he yeah yeah. I get you've got to go with what you think is the right thing to do, but I think that you, you said it yourself, the alarm bells were absolutely yeah. ringing at that Burton game and Doncaster were the best of the three teams that were playing and you, you start to worry, you know, what is he going to do? He's, you want Catamore back realistically, I think, to drop back in, but that brings me on to sort of Doncaster's midfield. You mentioned before you yeah. play a 4-3-3 and you do look at Marquis because football fans naturally look at goals. But when you're looking at the EFL team of the year, you've got a young lad in on loan, uh, Herbie Kane. Yeah. He's been absolutely phenomenal. And he came back on Saturday. How impressed have you been with him this season? 
Oh, absolutely, absolutely fantastic. Um, it's it's funny going back to the summer. Um, Doncaster signed two young kids, Herbie Kane, Malik Wilkes. Everybody thought, who were they? Who were these lads? We've not really heard anything. Um, are we going to make any progress with a, a couple of young lads on loan? But the the pair of them have been absolutely outstanding. And Herbie Kane, um, the way he started the season, um, his form dipped a little bit after the new year, but fantastic and obvious like for like comparisons with a certain Steven Gerrard really just the way he goes about his game he's all action uh, energy tenacity uh, he's got vision as well he played it one pass on Saturday absolutely superb just he sees things early he really does he sees the picture of the game earlier than a lot of players do uh, I think he's only 20 20 year old I think massive massive potential I would expect him to play in the championship next season hopefully with Doncaster um, and and watch just keep an eye out for him um, serious talent serious player and one I think the Sunderland fans would appreciate again just the work the sheer work ethic that he gets to he, he loves a tackle um, I'm making him sound like some player here <laughs> on, on Friday but uh, as for a young lad one of the one of the most talented young players I think I've seen uh, for for a long time you, at, you... That level, at that level. Yeah. You mentioned a lot of things as well, though, that I have heard. I've heard the comparisons to Gerard, and I've been keeping yeah. a close eye on him because I did a. I wanted to educate myself as best as I could um, on this league, and he was one of the yeah. names that popped up immediately. And you mentioned about energy, and you mentioned a, a big thing, which I've heard a lot about Herbie Kane, is that he sees things that other players in this league don't see. And Definitely. Bearing yeah. in mind he's 20-year-old, I mean... There's certain players in this league and it's, you can't lack the commitment, you can't lack the fight and the fitness levels are great. But it, I think the difference in quality is people like Aidan McGeady and stuff like that, they see things before yeah. anyone else does and that's what sets them apart. And Herbie Kane's massively being touted as one of those players that can just pull something out of nothing in terms of his yeah. passing and his movement. You've, you've either got it or you haven't and then, then, and this kid's got it. Um, he actually played in a slightly different role on, on Saturday in the win over Plymouth. Actually played in a bit of a deeper, more defensive midfield role but he, he came back into the side. He's had a bit of a groin injury since the turn of the year which has affected his form and then he was out for about four weeks but he came back on Saturday and he looked refreshed, recharged, so Sunderland are, are getting them coming up against him at just the wrong time. I'm afraid he does. He looks uh, looks really good again. And I think there's a lot of people, me probably included, would like to see Catamore come back. But then the more you think about it, the level of energy he has of the midfielders that we've got, he's probably likely to cause somebody like Lee Catamore the most problems. In- interesting. You should mention that because Herbie spoke to the the press today, and I mentioned the the head to head with Lee Catamore and. You know, going up against a, a former Premier League player, somebody like that, would he relish it? He, he kind of just laughed at me and laughed it off. And it was almost like, I'm really not fussed who I play against. Um, he's not rattled by anything. He's, he's There's no fear factor in him at all. He just goes out there and he lets his sort of skills and, and vision do the work, really. He's, there's no kind of thought process about, oh, that this might be Lee Catamull. He might, he might stop me playing. Nothing like that. About he's he's going out there to to put his um, stamp on the game, and I think he made reference to the fact that Catamull went off at half time at the chemo. I, I can't quite recall if that was. I've got no reason to doubt him, but he that, did, must, that must that must. Yeah, yeah, and we we had a bit of a laugh about that as well. So 
uh, no fear at all, and 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 he'll really relish uh, playing in such a big, big arena, big crowd, because that's that's where he'll see his future. And on the complete opposite end of the spectrum from young players, I've got to look at an ex Newcastle academy. Well, not he wasn't even academy; he was a Sunday league player, James Coppinger, who's been. <laughs> He's been in Doncaster longer than you've been in Doncaster, and you've been there quite a while. <laughs> the evergreen James Coppinger, yeah, I'm sure he'll be uh, fired up a little bit for Friday. Um, he's not getting any younger, is he? But he, he, he just gets better and better, to be honest, gets better with age. He's been absolutely phenomenal um, as a player, as an ambassador, really, for the club. Pleasure to watch at times. Again, another player who just is just gifted with certain skills, really. Uh, his close control, his ability to see things. And he's one of those players that, that really should have played at a, at a much higher level. Uh, do you think he'll get some stick on Friday, Alan? Uh, I, I think, think, think he might be but, all right. Yeah, yeah. I think people are too, too blum and nervous, aren't they? But then again, I thought, um, I didn't really think Andy Cooper would get too much stick for Walsall, but it's... I think I feel like we can almost sniff out a scummer. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> you can sniff it out of somewhere, but I can't believe that he's got 13 assists this season. I mean, that is phenomenal. Still got it. He's still got it massively. He's played as part of the front three. So last season he was kind of playing at the tip of a midfield diamond where he, he probably had to be a bit more disciplined. And although that, that got him involved a bit more, he's, He's had a bit more freedom, I guess, playing up in the front three this season. And I suppose one of the criticisms of Coppinger during his career is that he maybe hasn't scored enough goals or maybe at times lacked a, lacked a killer ball. Um, but he's, he's, he's produced it in abundance again this season. And like I say, on his days, he's a real pleasure to watch. And He's on the left side of things. So for me, he... He is one of the big the big threats actually for Sun and um him against Luke or Nine could be could be an interesting battle. I, I really think so. And I mean if if you're listening, Luke, which I hope to God you are, because that would be great. Don't take it offensively, but I think he, I, I think the experiment of Luke or Nine at right back's time to be ended. I think there's a few times he's been caught short. I think the kid's done his best, but I definitely yeah. think an opportunity in the middle is what he deserves because it worries me that he comes up against someone with that level of experience in James Coppinger. And I don't think it's it started as an experiment and it's done well, but I'd, I'd much rather, although I don't think he's fit, Adam Matthews slot in there. So potentially because yeah. he's not fit, he, he might be Luke 9 anyway, but that's just my, that's just my thoughts on that. Um, yeah, he could become the latest victim of the, the Coppinger, famous Coppinger chop. On Friday, he's got a certain move that he does, and it just seems every League One fullback seems to fall for it. To be honest, uh, and that's where that's where he's got his, a lot of his assists from this season. His assist level is beyond belief. Um, I think it's him and Ashley Hunter are currently sitting top of the assists for the the division. And when you think that there is players like Aidan McGeady that are in this division, for them to be so far ahead of people like that, it's and a team that is you know not necessarily right at the top of the league. It's it speaks volumes, doesn't it? Um, especially at yeah. 38 years of age. Yeah, you beat me too. He's a credit to himself, really, the way that he's he's looked after himself and to be able to prolong his career. And not just that, he, he's he's still running around like a 20-something, 20, 20 genuinely is. You'd look at him, you wouldn't think he was 38. And I think knowing James, he'll, he'll want to play until he's, he's 40, probably, and I don't see any reason why he can't. Not in this season's form, not at all. 
going back to um, the game in, obviously, I think it was November now, uh, we, we won that 1-0. Um, it was a really tight game. You mentioned before about John McLaughlin, I think, pulled off some cracking saves first half. But second half, obviously, it was a close-range Chris Maguire goal, who were hoping's back on uh, mm. Friday. I will say Saturday. I almost said it there, but it is Friday. Mm. You obviously keep an eye on Sunderland closer than any guest that I've had. <laughs> I know that. Um, but how how do you see from a more of an ob- from a non Sunderland supporting perspective and a non Doncaster Rovers reporter? How do you see Friday going? What are you expecting the game to be like? Yeah, Don- Doncaster. There'll be no question of Doncaster going there to shut up shop or defend or any- anything like that. Like I say, they're, they're a very positive team. They'll go there fully intent on trying to impose their game on Sunderland and they'll, they'll have a go. They will, they'll have a go. They'll not They'll not commit Harry Carey, they'll not go gung-ho, but they'll try and impose themselves on Sunderland. They know all about the situation with the crowd, how how the atmosphere can change very quickly up there and, and, and they'll hope that that, that works in their favour. It's Again, it's a pretty obvious thing to say, but that the first goal could be absolutely massive, couldn't it, on, on Friday? If, you know as well as, as me, if Doncaster were to go ahead, if Doncaster start this game well and go ahead, the atmosphere could turn sour, rightly or wrongly. I agree with that. If it, yeah, if it, if, it goes, if it goes the other way and Sunderland get the noses in front early on, then they could, they could control the game. Doncaster's away record isn't great. They've only won one away game since the turn of the year. That was um, last weekend at Bradford. For whatever reason, it, it hasn't worked for them on the road. So there, there are vulnerabilities there for Sunderland to, to prey on. But I think Doncaster, we touched upon it earlier, looking back at the Coventry game, imagine imagine being in that Doncaster team meeting, looking at the video of Sunderland against Coventry. You'd, you'd be rubbing your hands with, with glee, wouldn't you? Especially such an attacking team who are, Fluid going forward, they like to get forward, they like to cause problems. Marquis, play off him. They'll be looking forward to Friday, trust me, they'll be looking forward to it. Especially with Marquis, we're touching on that before, that he scored so many goals, but he'd gone through a bit of a dry spell. I think if you're watching that defensive performance that you've seen on Saturday, and the defensive yeah. performance against Burton wasn't great either. You're rubbing your hands and you're thinking, totally. you know, yeah. I can get back on form and I can hit 25 goals. Oh God! I feel suddenly very negative. This is not very nice at all. Uh, do you think he will? Do you, do you think? Do you think he will? I mean, he can't go four four two again, can he, Jack Ross? Can he? he? Can't. He just can't. You know, I think, and I and I, I have to hold my hands up. I, I criticised him previously, and I, I think I actually said he was crap. Um, I'm sure someone's favourited it somewhere. Hopefully, they forgot about it. But Dylan McGeoch, I think we lose so much when McGeoch's not playing. I think. When he's played in games this season, they're just someone that just sweeps stuff up and gives them a little bit of protection. You look at the likes of Catamull and Ledbetter being the men, the men, sorry, that kind of do that job. But I think there's no one better than McGeoch for dropping deep, winning the possession and distributing it correctly and just taking that little bit of pressure off what is quite evidently a pretty poor set of centre-offs. Um, mm. I don't think you'll change it wholesale. I don't think you'll take out Baldwin and Flanagan. I think he'll put Jimmy Dunn in. I think Jimmy Dunn's right. strength and uh, I was going to say athleticism, but he doesn't have much speed on me. He runs like a robot. I think it, he's probably got a bit more strength to go up against Marquis than. I mean, you can't play Flanagan and Baldwin. You just can't. The confidence base, they're going to be destroyed. But I don't think that the idea of a 3 5 2 is all that bad. But 
it doesn't seem to get locked at. It's either four five one or that four three three or four four two. I don't think a three five two with maybe Flanagan on the right is sort of like a right back or, or right hand sided uh, centre off would be the worst idea on the planet alongside maybe Jimmy Dunn, Oz Turpin, potentially Baldwin on the other side. I think the more centre offs the better because I think there's not two of them good enough. Yeah, it'll be an interesting one to see what he does, but. Like I say about Doncaster, they, they do really like to to sort of play through the thirds, um, intricate passing through the midfield, and the instructions will be obvious, won't it? To, to put the centre backs under pressure, to give them something to think about, for Marquis to to rough to ruffle a few feathers, um, and then you've got cops coming in from the the left flank, and somebody who we haven't mentioned yet, um, Malik Wilkes. Another young lad they got in on loan. Um, he's he's been the form player, and you say you say Marquis hasn't scored a few goals recently, but but this lad Malik Wilkes has stepped up to the plate recently. Left footed, playing on the right, loves to cut inside. So he's he's another one to keep an eye on. One thing I did want to ask, and you'll probably know this better than anyone. You're probably the best place to answer this question. But from a Sunderland side, obviously on paper, yeah, we've been a bit off colour the past couple of weeks, but we are one of the better sides in that league and that's why we are where we are. So which players are most likely, in your opinion, to cause damage to Doncaster? Like where is mm. Doncaster's weak links and how can we as a team punish them? thought you might ask that. Um, <laughs> Doncaster have got, a, <laughs> they've got a habit of conceding from set pieces. I'll, I'll give you that one. That is, that is something that Sunderland will be looking at. They're not the biggest of sides. They've got a couple of big centre-halves who actually work about the, the irony here, given what we've been discussing, but Andy Butler and Paul Downing, it was, who played centre-back in the last game. Um, they were outstanding, the pair of them. Uh, but they're the two biggest. Other than that, Doncaster are quite a small side and they have had problems defending set-pieces. Um, the other the other area of weakness, I think, that teams will pinpoint uh, for Doncaster is probably the full-back area. Um, Danny Andrew at left-back, he's not had a bad season. But the other side is probably a problem. Uh, Matty Blair has, has done a sterling job in there, but he's a winger. Um, he's, he's not a fullback. He admits it himself. He's he's not a natural defender. So whoever plays on that left side for Sunderland, be it McGeady or Morgan, um, will probably fancy the chances of causing a problem or two down that left. A lot of it hinges on McGeady being fit as yeah. well. And yeah. I think... At the time of speaking, I think Jack Ross actually said that he still hasn't trained all week and we shouldn't have really brought him on on Saturday, which was another thing that confused me a bit. If he's if he's not ready, don't bring him on. Um, but I'm, I'm sure he knows better than I do. Um, Maguire could be back, but again, he's he's not beat played since February. So Gooch is 50-50, I think. So you're potentially looking at Lewis Morgan, who, who has been on form. Um, you mentioned the winger who was playing at... Um, sort of right back is it left back or yeah, right back at the moment Matty, Matty Blair yeah filling in at right back um, he's not he's not done a bad job but he's not a natural he's not a natural defender and that that is probably something that opposing teams look at um, unfortunately for a story that we, we won't delve too much into but Niall, Niall Mason played at right back for for much of the season good player and then, and then he did something really silly so he's no longer available for selection yeah. So Rovers are having to to make do in that position, really. But like you say, I think if 
Aidan McGeady's name isn't on the team sheet come two o'clock. Sorry, four o'clock. Um, what time? On Friday. Four, four, <laughs> five or something, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So I, I think, I think I that's a natural. <laughs> and I was trying to work out, and my Google was showing me it in Swedish time, and I was I was all over the shop. I'm thinking quarter past six, quarter past five, but quarter past yeah. five, I think, is it? For yeah. those wondering, yeah. don't don't be late. It's quarter past five. <laughs> yeah, if, if McGeady's name isn't on that team sheet, I think there's a natural lift in in the Doncaster dressing room because he is a player that's that's way too good for for this level. Yeah, I, I think I think McGeady is the best player in the division. I've said that few times I think Lyle Taylor potentially but I think you immediately would get a lift if Aidan McGeady's not in the team yeah. no matter yeah. which league one side that you may be um, hopefully hopefully he comes through and, and he's fit enough to play so you've mentioned sort of how the team would set up and you set up in a 4-3-3 uh, Marcus yeah. were expecting to be there as well so I suppose prediction is probably quite a big thing I expect Doncaster to come at us I think you've mentioned before from when I've seen Doncaster as well, I don't think Grant McCann necessarily looks at the weaknesses of other teams. I think he looks at That's the strength, it, of, his it, own, yeah. Yeah. Um, strength of his own and goes for that, doesn't he? That's it completely, yeah. yeah. We've we've got to win. I think we know that. So I think if we're looking at a score prediction, you could quite easily go for a high score and one. Hopefully not a Covenant in their favour. <laughs> God, well, I hope not. But, um, yeah, how, how, I think you're totally on similar, similar lines to you. I think there's got to, there's bound to be goals um, at the risk of jinxing it completely. I think it would be two twos the scoreline I've got in my head, which which would be a scoreline that wouldn't be much good for for Sunderland. I think Doncaster would be would be very happy to come away with a point, but like I say, they'll not go there with the mentality of playing for a draw. They'll fancy the chances, especially with the background that the last couple of games that Sunderland have had, so, uh, Doncaster will, will go there and fancy the chances of, of getting a result. I'm going to sit totally on the fence and say 2-2 two, two, or 1-1. Yeah. One, one. I'm, I'm nervous as well. And, and for the for the first time, I think I've ever done that this, this season. And people people might think badly of me here because I've been quite positive this season. But I'm, I'm going to say 2-1 Doncaster. You've surprised I, me with that one. I honestly feel like not confident about Friday. And I think... For some reason, there's been this huge cloud of darkness, which I'm not enjoying. I don't know where it's... I mean, I know where it's came from, the defeat and the performance, but it's so much negativity right now. It's kind of worrying me a little bit. And, and, and I know what it can be like, and especially in front of the Sky TV cameras, I can see a bit of an Accrington at home game like it was a few months ago, which obviously we got a draw out of, but I, Doncaster are a better side, unfortunately for us. But hopefully, egg on my face this time next week, and we've beaten both Doncaster and Peterborough. Um, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, I think it'll be. I mean, from Sunderland's perspective, from both teams' perspective, you just want to get results now, isn't it? It's all about the result. But I think we're in for another good game Friday. I, like I say, I really enjoyed the game at the Keymore Stadium. It was a bit old school, really, the, the way the two teams went. Yeah, went at each other. Uh, they really did. It was no holds barred, and I'm in for a treat if it's going to be something similar to that again. Thanks very much for coming on, Paul. Are you going to be in the press box with your red and white scarf on, though? <laughs> <laughs> red and white scarf, no, no. T- completely objective and, and there to do a job, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what they all say. <laughs> but, um... Absolute pleasure. Thanks for, thanks for having me on. It's a bit of an honour being a Sunderland lad, and obviously, uh, hopefully, Sunderland can end the, end the season on a high and, and, and get the job done as well. We'll be fine. Sunderland and second Doncaster through the playoffs. That sounds about right. Well, you'll be in the championship next season. That would be ideal for you. 
Um, but thanks very much for coming on, Paul. I hope you're smiling as much as I am at the end of the season. And I never say that to any guests. I normally say, don't enjoy your weekend, but I'm going to say <laughs> you enjoy it because I think if someone went out, I, I assume you'll be a little bit more pleased than most of our guests. So I was going to say enjoy your trip down, but you know what it looks like. You know the area. You're from Fowell. <laughs> yeah, it'll be weird. It'll be a strange one, but can't wait for it now. Really excited. And, and hopefully, you know, it's you've, you've shocked me a little bit with the whole negativity talk around the, mm-hmm. the stadium. I, I totally understand what you're saying. Big game. Really, really big game for both teams. Massive. And hopefully it's three points for Sunderland. Hopefully. Um, <laughs> you said <well>. that. <laughs> <laughs> right, my man. Thanks very much for coming on. You have Cheers, Graham. Cheers, Graham. Thank you. So I haven't done a little summary at the end of my extra podcast for a little while. I kind of just prefer leaving it at the end. But here we go. Nonetheless, I do like the sound of my own voice now and again. Yeah, I'm feeling a bit negative about Friday. I really hope that hasn't put anyone in a bad mood, but I think it was really good to get Paul on. I think Paul obviously knows a lot about Doncaster and just as much about Sunderland, being a boy from Fowell. Really enjoyed having a chat with him. I hope very much that I'm proven incorrect uh, when it comes to my scoreline prediction. It's the first time I've been negative this season, so if you think I'm being a little bit overly negative, give me a break. It's only the first time in nearly 40 matches and I hope that you are all laughing at me come this time next week hope you enjoyed the podcast again thanks as always for checking out the World Report Extra podcast and listening to it it's done you know for the fans and, and hopefully you enjoy the fact that uh, we, we do it for you and, and you enjoy what we're doing and hopefully by the time we speak next time we've got another six points in the bag thanks for checking us out I've been Graham and this has been the World Report Extra Some exchange betting companies run short-lived promotions, like months-long offers of low commission. At BetDAC, we wanted to change the way we did things, so we set our commission at 2% permanently. That's 2% on football, horse racing, golf, almost any sport. 2%. That's just one way that BetDAC is changing for the better. For the better, like you. BetDAC, the 2% commission exchange. Over 18s only, please gamble responsibly. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.